Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Good morning, fellow listeners. I'm once again on the screen porch, and it's before the morning walk. I thought I'd take a few minutes while I thought Jolie was sitting calmly on my beanbag chair, which has become hers. It was a birthday gift to myself several years ago, and uh, I'm smiling because there's a um, fleece on the beanbag chair that I acquired as part of my comfort zone camp experience, and... Um, she just loves to dig into it and make a little nest on the beanbag. But now she's peering out into the woods. I hear the large sound of an animal. Maybe a bear. She and I have been home alone for a few days. Kurt's back to traveling for business. Things are getting somewhat back to a normal of sorts. <laughs> I hope it is in your world as well. Uh-oh, here she comes with her bones. Yeah? You want to talk to the people? Hi, Jolie. Anyway, so I heard about a new term for something that I've always enjoyed all my life, and that is walking in the woods, because it's always helped me to feel good. I'm going to share a little bit about that. Hello, fellow readers. Once again, I begin our chat dictating while walking in the sights and sounds of nature. As I reflect on a pet loss ceremony we attended on Sunday, a monarch butterfly joins us, flying a bit ahead bringing a smile as the event was a butterfly release ceremony. We talked previously about a butterfly release ceremony in episode 17 of the podcast, so you may want to jump back to that one. It was a celebration of life for our human family and friends, and there was a very special speaker I call the Queen of Grief, my dear friend Diana Sebsa. But this story is not about that story, really. It's about forest bathing, a topic not new to me, Though the label is, thanks to Anita of Blairstown, New Jersey, who sent an article on the subject. Many know it feels good to walk in nature, especially among trees older than us, representing remarkable resilience. Forest bathing, also called forest therapy, is not about exercise or hiking. It's about being in the woods, observing the sights, sounds, smells, touch, and taste surrounding you. Of course, don't taste things unless you know for sure they're not poisonous. Then there are other senses, a sense of well-being and belonging. That is so powerful to me. Evidence proves that feelings and physical statistics, such as blood pressure and pulse rates, improve after spending time in nature. As Dr. Cheng Ling, a scientist and author of Forest Bathing, How Trees Can Help You Find Health and Happiness, writes, The sounds of the forest the scent of the trees, the sunlight playing through the leaves, the fresh, clean air. These things give us a sense of comfort. They ease our stress and worry, help us relax, and think more clearly. They sure do. Walking amongst the trees does bring a lot of solitude. And I loved his um, sunlight playing through the leaves. That's a neat little visual. It was interesting to learn that according to the Environmental Protection Agency, on average, Americans only spend 7% of their time outdoors and the rest of it, which is 93%, indoors or in their cars. And that is just 
crazy, but of course it makes sense because of the way we live our lives. And I'm very fortunate that I work outside much of the time. And so for me, it was part of the therapy of life that I've learned the hard way because I, I once had a corporate life working in an office in New York City. So, so I do appreciate being outdoors. In the book that he wrote, which was the one that grabbed my attention on the bookshelf called Forest Bathing, there's other books as well, but his is very special because it talks a lot about the history of forest bathing in Japan and um, how much it's a part of their culture. And it's filled with photographs, which, as you would expect, I thoroughly loved looking at. And then it cited some of the gardens in Japan that I hadn't ever heard about. So it was kind of like being on a journey in Japan, but in a book. The extensive scientific research Dr. Lee shares proves the benefit of forest bathing. In a nutshell, it feels good to walk in the woods. I've known that since being a kid. I'd have to ask permission to ride my bike around the block in Exton, Pennsylvania, where we lived. But the actual destination was a dead-end street with trails. I'd ditch my bike and walk into the shadowy forest, moist and cooled by a nearby stream, with rich soil soft on my feet. It felt comforting. Each time I'd go a bit further until I came upon a heap of rusty cars reminding me of a graveyard, like the one behind us when we lived in Baldwinsville, New York. Mom well trained the stone five pack not to step on the grave sites out of respect. It was interesting because when I came upon the heap, I mean, I really had such fear. Of course, I was only like 11 years old, I think. And uh, I can see myself now in my little kids sneakers. We got sneakers once a year and surely wore them out. So seeing the, the grave sight of wrecked cars uh, brought a lot of fear. But after several trips, I dared to walk beyond the graveyard, though I ran like the wind while passing the car wrecks. I remember the thrill and sense of accomplishment after overcoming the fear of moving on. Lesson for all of us in all parts of life, isn't it? While reading the forest bathing research, I learned it also helps loneliness. The first I've considered that benefit, though I experienced it all my life, which may seem ironic. After all, I grew up with four siblings and an intact set of parents. A family of seven grew to eight when Grandpa lived with us his last years. Still, I felt a deep loneliness. Walking in the woods helped. Don't get me wrong, our care and feeding were well taken care of, primarily by Mom, but there was an emotional distance between them and us. Maybe because dad didn't have a dad growing up, and mom's mom died after she was born. So neither grew up with role models, but they, we, do the best we can with what we have to work with. And so I am grateful for the family in which I grew up. Back to Sunday's event. It was an honor to sing along with Ken Roberts at the butterfly release ceremony hosted by the Joseph T. Quinlan Bereavement Center and Abby Glenn a cemetery for our beloved pets. And heartwarming to see the turnout, hear the names and view the memorial wall of photos, including my dear Miss Ellie May. And so today, it seems fitting to adopt the new picture for our column header, the one most favored by all of you who kindly responded to my birthday reflection. I wrote a column called Birthday Reflection, and it's on the Garden Dilemma's website, and in that column included... Uh, optional photos to consider, and I heard from so many of you, and I'm so grateful. Suppose I conclude with one last benefit of forest bathing, my addition, the feelings of adventure and courage, walking beyond unknowns and fears, and letting go of what once was, though never forgetting or forsaking the love. 
Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com Jolie is now off her bone. She has her feet on the edge of the screen porch. She is looking about, I think she sees the bear. Do you see the bear, Jolie? So I, I have to say, and I think I've shared this before, but I have a beautiful portrait of Miss Ellie May that is sitting beside me on the screen porch in the spot that I admire. But I have Miss Jolie now, and she is such a delight. And we do our forest bathing. We do it almost every day, certainly in the morning when we go uh, taking care of business, let's just say. But we're going to get off to our walk, and I will come back, and um, we will chat about a practice of forest bathing, I will call it that, at Willowwood Arboretum, a place I had never visited. There are so many public gardens that are available for all of us to enjoy, and we just have to seek them out, don't we? So thanks so much. I hope you come back and join me. See you in a bit. Well, I'm back on the screen porch after a road walk with Jolie, and I'm sad to say, or I'm giggling to say that she is back on her bone on the beanbag chair. So I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to roll with it. As I mentioned earlier, she and I are home alone, and she's been very clingy since Kurt's not have been in town. So anyway, the column I want to share next is about Willowwood Arboretum, and it starts like this. What a delight to wander through Willowwood Arboretum, invited by dear friends Ruth and Jim of Hope, New Jersey. I had never heard about the public garden, free to visit. It's part of the Morris County Park System, tucked away in Far Hills, New Jersey. The journey through the seldom-traveled roads to the lovely estate is part of the adventure. A little backstory on this visit. Um, typically, Ruth and I get together for birthday lunches, and uh, I had said, you know, rather than do that, since she's an avid gardener, although she's been busy in her life doing sound healing, so hasn't had as much time for it, but I said, you know, why don't we visit a public garden instead, grab some sandwiches, and then Jim, her husband, who's an equal gardener, wanted to join us, so it became a group event, and it was so delightful. As you enter Willowwood, an open expanse of meadows of wispy grasses with pops of yellow, orange, and pinks greet you. It's called Hecklebarney Field, with willows, oaks, flowering trees, and wildflowers. You know, so neat as I was driving by, there's meandering paths around the meadow, and I thought to myself, I am going back, and I'm just going to walk through those meadows. That in itself would be an adventure to see all the wildlife that it attracts. Willowwood Arboretum was the country estate of brothers Henry and Robert Tubbs, who purchased the property in 1908. Both were garden enthusiasts who went far and wide to gather plants. They became friends with their neighbor Martha Brooks Hutchinson, one of the first female landscape architects in the United States. She and her husband William purchased the property in 1912 and named it Murchiston Farm, now known as Bamboo Brook, also part of the Morris County Park System. There's a photo of me walking through the bamboo, and uh, I have a little pet peeve about bamboo. It's bad bamboo in most places because it's invasive as can be. In fact, it's illegal to plant it in many towns, so don't plant it in yours unless you know it's allowed. And if you do plant it, there are ways to contain it, or at least try to. I still hesitate, I must say, although it was fun to walk through it at Bamboo Brook. While they were developing the gardens along with Dr. Benjamin Blackburn, Henry's adopted son, they did so with the ambition to become an arboretum. 
There are many gardens to enjoy, including a cottage garden and a lilac collection featured in a spring tour, just to name a few. Beyond the main house is the cypress lawn with bald cypress. I'm going to give it a try with the botanical name. Taxidinium distichum. Taxidinium distichum. That's not bad, not bad. Providing a shady canopy above magnificent specimens of Japanese maple that will burst into the blaze of color come fall. There's more about the history of the Willowwood Arboretum that you may want to visit on their website because um, it was neat how they found the property. It was one they didn't expect to find. And um, they had gone out from New York City to the country to find one or to look at one that was already sold. So it was kind of a neat story. And before going to the uh, garden, Ruth said, wait till you see the cypress knees. And I was like, what is she talking about? So she had been there once before and she spilled the beans about cypress knees. And of course, as you would expect, I have pictures of them on the Garden Dilemma's website. Let me finish with the story. Then came the most remarkable and amusing part of our journey. The cypress pool garden is filled with cypress knees that look like tiny gnomes gathering around swampy pools of water. It's a mystery, the purpose they serve. Some say they help roots to absorb oxygen into the waterlogged soil. Others say it's a way of stabilizing the trees in swampy conditions. As you research this, it's true. They don't really know what their purpose is, but I bet the cypress knows. He knows why he has knees. <laughs> Just like we know why we have ours, right? Willowwood is considered New Jersey's most extensive and longest operating arboretum with unusual collections of treasured trees and other plants. Many of the trees are champion trees. It's an interesting concept they label them as such. The word champion means one that outcompetes another or somebody that advocates and supports a cause or a mission. But trees need each other. So it's a little weird to me that you name one a champion and not all of them, you know? Trees connect in a forest and need each other to thrive, as is so beautifully written by Peter Wollobin, author of The Hidden Life of Trees, What They Feel, How They Communicate, Discoveries from a Secret World. Wollobin writes, but why are trees social beings? Why do they share food with their species and sometimes nourish their competitors? The reasons are the same as for human communities. There are advantages to working together. No question about that. That is why there are more old trees in a forest than living on their own as standalone trees. The criteria to become a champion tree are height, trunk circumference, and crown spread, which is the width of the canopy. There are 13 New Jersey State champion trees at Willowwood, including a stunning Katsura tree, which is Circidia phylum japonicum. Look at that, I have that one down pat because I use that tree a lot and it's one of my favorites. Native to Japan, the specimen shade trees, heart-shaped leaves merge reddish purple and shift to blue-green and then turn yellow or apricot come fall. Another is an enormous dawn redwood, also recently named a national champion. Dawn redwood are ancient trees that lived during the dinosaur age and remain a favored landscape tree today. With feathery bright green leaves that turn orange or reddish brown in the fall, Planted in 1950, the national champion was a seedling from Princeton University. It now stands 112 feet with a 60-foot wide canopy. Holy moly. And the circumference of the tree is a whopping 212 inches. 
It is magnificent. I actually hugged this tree. I couldn't get all around it though. <laughs> Given that Willowwood Arboretum has so many of the state's champion trees, perhaps the whole forest is the champion. Better yet, let's not label them at all and let's embrace the miracle and grandness of all trees. Thanks so much for coming by. I've so enjoyed our chat. I always do, and I especially enjoy hearing from you with your questions or feedback. And you can reach me by emailing me at askmarystone at gmail.com and, of course, through the Garden Dilemmas Facebook page. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast and column so it magically appears in your feed and on your email and share it with your friends that you think may enjoy it as well so that more can join our community of enjoying and learning how gardens and nature can heal and grow our lives. Thanks so much. See you next time. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.